0: You're listening to a special edition of the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's never-ending help in Ramad Pesha Mishra 57-69-2009. This podcast is going to speak about the ideas, some ideas of Tisha B'Av. Tisha B'Av is coming up on this Thursday. It commemorates the day that the first and second temples were destroyed, as we mentioned in the previous Parsha podcast. And it's a day of international mourning, national mourning for the Jewish people, and since the Jewish people are throughout the entire world, it's a day of international mourning. And we need to understand this, because what are we sad about? Why are we crying about? You know, we've been crying for one 1,939 years, since the year 70 CE. And we keep crying every single year. What are we crying about? And we're crying about the destruction of the Temple, but what does that mean precisely? What does it mean to us? How are we able to still cry so many years later for a destruction that doesn't seem to have too much to do with us? And the simple answer on the surface is, of course... That the temple, the base hamikdash that we don't have in Jerusalem right now, it represents or represented the connection of the Jewish people to God. It represented our ability to have a spiritual life, to connect to spirituality. And that's what's missing. As long as there's no temple on the on the Harabais on the Temple Mount. As long as there's a mosque there instead. As long as all we can do is pray at the Western Wall. The wall which is just a remnant. Not even of the temple itself, but rather of the containing walls of the temple. As long as it's all we have, the Shekhinah, the divine presence is not here. We can't experience the divine. We can't access directly the spiritual realms. So we have everything to cry about. We have everything to cry about. The tears can't stop flowing. How can they stop flowing? If our entire purpose for being created, the entire purpose we're in this world, you know, a person lives 100 years, 120 years, 70 years, 80 years, however long a person lives. Entire purpose of being here is to come close to God. But it's so difficult in the world that we live in. We don't have that temple. We don't have the divine revelation, the miracles that occurred, and the connection that was forged between man and God. It's very interesting. I heard last night a sheer, a whole sheer from Rabbi Mendel Kessin about Tishabov. One of the interesting things that he said is that the concept of the Mishkan, we find the Mishkan, which is a sanctuary that the Jews had when they were walking through the wilderness, but also it was for many years before the Beis Hamidosh, the temple was built by Solomon, King Solomon. So they had the Mishkan, it was in Shiloh for a long period of time. And what was the Mishkan? The Mishkan, the verse says about it, V'asuli Mikdash, they shall make for me a sanctuary, v'shakanti b'soicham, and I shall dwell amongst them. The verse doesn't say, they will make me a sanctuary, and I will dwell in the sanctuary. It says, I will dwell amongst them. Because really, this is what he says, very interesting. The Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, the vehicle, the place where the Divine Presence enters into the world is actually through the souls of the Jewish people. The Neshama of the Jewish people is the vehicle through which the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, is revealed in the world. That's why the verses say the Jewish people are supposed to be a light unto the nations. When we're doing our job, when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. So we just shine, we're a beacon of light for the entire world because the entire world sees the light of the Shekhinah, the light of the divine presence of spirituality shining from us. But how do we access that light? The answer is, this verse says it, after the sin of the golden calf, so the Jews could no longer directly access the light personally. The only way to access the light, and it would still come through the Jewish people, but the only way to access it was through the mishkan, the avod, the service in the sanctuary, and subsequently the service in the base Hamikdash, the temple itself. So when, we, when someone would come to the base Hamikdash, and he would bring a sacrifice, we can't understand this, we can't, relate to this you can't fathom this But you would walk into the temple you bring a sacrifice you would feel an utter ecstasy unbelievable spiritual experience to bring that animal when the Kohen the priest would bring it for you you would have a tremendous eel. you would have a tremendous spiritual uplift you would unbelievable you can't even describe such a thing ecstasy utter, utter ecstasy and that would come because a person would experience the divine presence when a person experiences God when a person has a direct Contact with Hashem. There's nothing greater than that experience. And that's one of the things that we're missing. We don't have a direct contact with God. Since the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, the temple was destroyed, the Shechina Shechina is in Gullus, it's gone into exile. And when we cry on Tishabav, we're not just crying for the destruction of the temple, we're crying for our own destruction, our own spiritual destruction. All the things that block us from spirituality, whether it's when a person's trying to pray and his mind is spacing out, his mind is wandering, a person who has attention deficit disorder, a person who doesn't even have that, a person just, his mind wanders, whatever it is. All these different things, the things that prevent us from being spiritual our internal angers, all the walls that block us between ourselves and other people. These are things that prevent us from being spiritual. All these things are really a result of the destruction of the temple. Because when there's a temple, there's access to the divine light. When there's access to the divine light. So all of the more physical nature of man kind of dissipates. It kind of is in the back, in the background. And that's something that's missing. We don't have that now. Now our physical nature is what takes over. That's what we cry about. We cry because we can't access the light. We can't. It's it's utter darkness. We're in Gullus. We're in this spiritual exile. You could be living in the land of Israel. And we're still in Gullus. We can't see God's hand in the world. It's so difficult to discern. You know, I want to share with you a thought that I have. actually wrote it on my blog. I'd like to share it with you as well. And the thought is like this, you know, in the news. So, last week... I could be continuing this, I don't know exactly. But last week, so the President of the United States sent a message to one of the ambassadors of Israel, who was in the United States. And the message was that they consider East Jerusalem, any building in East Jerusalem is considered a, uh, a settlement activity. It's construction in the settlements. And the U.S. has repeatedly stated its demand that Israel cease from any settlement activity. So the Shepherd's Hotel, which is about 800 feet into East Jerusalem, so they want to knock it down and they want to start building. And this, of course they've received the permits to do it. And the Obama administration wants to say that it's not permitted. You can't do that. Jews cannot build in an area which is a settlement. Now, Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel, so his response was, Jerusalem... Is a united Jerusalem. It will never be broken apart. This is not a settlement. Jews have every right to build here. In fact, if someone would say that a Jew cannot build a house in London or in New York, there would be an international outcry. This is ridiculous. There's no right for any government to tell the Jewish people that they cannot build on their land, in the land of Israel in Jerusalem, the holiest city, the capital city of the land of Israel. That was his response. Now, what's very interesting is that, you know, The, the United States government, they had a little bit of sensitivity. They would realize that the Jewish people right now are in the three weeks, the nine days. We're going through a mourning period. What's this mourning period? Jews don't shave, don't listen to music. There's no simchas, there's no chasanas, there's no joyous occasions don't happen now. There's no people getting married. What's the, why is that? Because we're mourning. Why are we mourning? What are we so sad about? We set about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. We're mourning about the destruction of Jerusalem. You want to pick a time to say that there can't be construction in Jerusalem. It could be a little bit sensitive. Don't speak about it now. So if we look at it with very shallow eyes, we could look at the situation and say, you know, this is crazy, this is unbelievable, what's going on here? But if we have a little bit of a depth, an understanding of the Torah, of what Hashem, how He runs the world we can see that there's a tremendously beautiful thing that God is doing. Because we see, we find, the Torah tells us, the Torah teaches us, Lev Malachim The hearts of kings are in the hand of God. What does that mean? That means that as soon as a person steps into office, the President of the United States, the President of this country, that country, King of this place, doesn't matter who he is, where he is, God is directing his thoughts. God is directing his words. Everything that these people say, they have lost their bechir, they do not have free will, if that's the case. So then that means that whatever Obama is saying is really God speaking. So what's God's message? Why is God sending the leader of the Western world to say that we can't build in Jerusalem? What's he trying to do? And why is he doing it now, during the three weeks, during the nine days? And I think that it's clear, if we open our eyes we can see that there's a concept that follows the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, in Sukkah, a few different places. The Gemara speaks about the concept, there are takkanahs, there were certain enactments that were enacted by the sages right after the temple was destroyed. And these enactments were to remind us of what was done in the temple, so that we don't forget the temple. And the Gemara says, how do we know that we do such a thing? Just because it was done in the temple doesn't mean that we can do it so how do we, know that we make such enactments to remind ourselves of what was done in the temple so the Gemara brings a verse the verse says it's in Jeremiah chapter 30 it says I'm going to bring a cure for you I'm going to cure you from your wounds says God you were called pushed away it is Zion there are, there are none who seek her so the Gemara says, from the fact that the verse says, and Yirmiah, Jeremiah is lamenting the fact that nobody's seeking Jerusalem, so the Gemara says, from the fact that we see that it's a lamentation, that no one seeks her, therefore we know that we must seek her, it's necessary to seek her, God wants us to seek her, so the Gemara says, based on that, that's where the sages saw that it was necessary to create enactments, in order to remind ourselves about Jerusalem, we need to seek Jerusalem, now you want to understand during the three weeks during the nine days the Jewish people have a tremendously difficult task and that is to mourn over Jerusalem over the land of Israel over the loss of spirituality over the loss of a temple something that occurred so many years ago 1,939 years ago how can we mourn over this how can we shed tears about this and Hashem says I know my children I know how difficult it is for you you know what I'm going to do I'm going to give you a little gift I'm going to help you to value Jerusalem Yerushalayim you know I'm going to do that? I'm going to take a U.S. president, I'm going to put it in his mind to tell you that you cannot build in Jerusalem, in your capital city. And you're going to feel a sense of indignation. How can you tell us that we can't build in our Jerusalem? This is our city, this is our land, our homeland. We've cried for this city for 1, 1,139 years and finally we get it back. And you're going to tell us that we can't have, we can't keep it, we can't build in it? hu Hashem plants it within us that we love Jerusalem, every single Jew, no matter where they are, turns toward Jerusalem three times a day, prays toward Jerusalem, we love her, we think about her, she's on our mind. And if we can't cry for her, at least we can stand up and say, she's ours. You can't take her away from us. Let the leader of the Jewish people stand up and say, she is ours. You cannot take her away from us. We are going to build here. And Jews will continue to build here. And this will continue to remain in our hands. And Hashem, He loves us so much. There's two verses. Very interesting. Two verses that seem to be a contradiction, but as you'll see, they're not a contradiction. One verse, it says, Hashivinu Hashem elecha v'nashuva. We say to God, this is a verse in Lamentations, and Echa, we're going to read it on Tisha B'av. We say, Hashem, return us to you, and we will return. The Jewish people says to God, please, you take the first step, you bring us close to you, and we'll come close to you. Then we have another verse. The verse is, Shuvah Eli, Vashuvah Aleichem. God says to the Jewish people, you return to me, and I'll return to you. You have to take the first step. That's what it sounds like. But you know what the truth is? The truth is like this that just like between a husband and a wife, God is like the husband of the Jewish people. And Kali so the Jewish people. is like the Kala, the bride of God, so to speak. That's what we find our sages refer to it as. We see this at Sinai at Mount Sinai, but we see this, there's this relationship. And that's what Shir Hashim, the Song of Songs, is talking about the relationship between God and Israel, the bride and the groom. Just like a husband, in order to, to show love to his wife, in order for him, he has to start off, he has to be Mafia labetvarim, <laughs> he has to say words that make her happy, make her feel good. And then she begins to feel towards him a love, and then they come together and they love each other. But who starts it? We always find that the man is the one who has to begin it. That's, that's the Jewish approach. Similarly, in relationship in the relationship between God and the Jewish people, there's the same type of relationship. God has to show a certain, in a certain sense, He has to show a love towards the Jewish people. He has to encourage them and awaken them and make us love Him and make us have a yearning for Him. And that's something that we find. that's going to happen before Mashiach, the Messiah, comes. There's a yearning that's going to be in the hearts of the entire Jewish people. Every single one, no matter where they are, no matter how far they are away from Judaism. There's going to be a yearning. And it's a verse. The verse says, God says, There's going to be days that are coming. I'm going to send a hunger in the land. It's not going to be a hunger for bread, nor thirst for water. It's going to be to hear the Word of God. It's going to be a tremendous desire in the Jewish people to come close to God, no matter where they are, no matter who they are, no matter how far they are. That's going to happen before Mashiach comes. And I think it's starting now. And God is planting within us a desire for Jerusalem. How does He do it? He does it in the most unbelievable way. He says, He puts it inside of the heart of a, of a man, a certain president of the United States, to say to the Jewish people, you can't build in your capital city and the jewish people responds inside of their hearts and says you can't tell us what to do this is our jerusalem this is our yushalayim this is our city she's ours the jewish people stands up and cries cries about our city that was destroyed so long ago and we say god you can't take it away from us this is our city we love you come close to us and that's the back and forth shem says shuva you're going to return to me. Hashem starts it off. And then we say, Hashim Hashem, bring us back to you. We want to come close to you. And we'll come close to you. Hashem says, now you want to come close to me. I'm going to come close to you. That's the dynamic between God and the Jewish people. That's what happens on Tisha We asked a question in the previous Parshat podcast. I forgot to answer the question. The question was, why are, we so, why are we talking about all these depressing things so sad? All the destructive things that happened to the Jewish people throughout history. Why are we talking about all these things? The answer is, we have to look at all these things and realize Just like Moshe Rabbeinu said to the Jewish people Look, look what happened, all the sins that you did Throughout the time that you were in the wilderness God forgave you, God loves you He cares about you so much, He's going to take care of you He took care of you in the past He's going to take care of you in the future But it depends on you You have to recognize that God loves you So too, Tisha We look back on the past, but we don't look back and say Oh, Hashem hated us What happened to God in the Holocaust? He hated us no, that's the itzahara. the evil inclination, is trying to get us to think that that's that's what he's trying to do. But the truth is that God. Loves us. Throughout the Holocaust, were tremendous miracles. People were saved miraculously in the Holocaust. What well, you can't explain the Holocaust. We can't understand it, but we can see that the Jewish people, somehow, Hitler main name should be erased from history. When when they came, the Germans tried to come to come into Israel. Somehow they weren't able to enter into Israel, and you know some for some strange reason Japan decided to bomb Pearl Harbor crazy thing they said what are we doing we're going to awaken the sleeping giant crazy thing what did they do it for God's power who guided them to do that so that the Americans would enter into the war the war would end but in any event Hashem is clearly involved it's so difficult to see sometimes but we know look at the proliferation of, of Judaism today there's so many people learning Torah there's so many people with so much interest you go on iTunes you can find different Torah words of Torah unbelievable thing throughout the entire world and what's the message? the message is that even when it looks like Hashem has abandoned us, even when it looks like we're getting destroyed, no, we're not destroyed. Hashem is right here with us. It says when the Jewish people went into exile when the temple was destroyed, the Shechina, the Divine Presence, went into exile along with the Jews. He left with us. It says that whenever the Jewish people have difficulty, God has difficulty. He feels horrible. Whenever we feel horrible, God is right there with us. He's always with us. He has tremendous mercy. The verse says, For one moment I have left you. With tremendous mercy, i will gather you in. God's going to bring the entire Jewish people back to the land of Israel with tremendous Tremendous mercy, tremendous love. And you look throughout history, the Jewish people have survived through all the persecutions, through, through all the destructions. That's what we look at. That's what we're supposed to look at through Tishabov, We're not supposed to look at it and be depressed. Of course, there's a level of mourning. But the level of mourning is only supposed to be there in order for us to recognize that through it all, Hashem was with us. Hashem continues to be with us. And he will continue to be with us. He's going to awaken us. He's going to put that desire within us to come close to Him. It's my blessing to me and you and all of us that very soon we should see the rebuilding of the third temple. God should return us to Him and return to us. Thank you so much for listening. Have a very meaningful and uplifting Tisha B'Av.